Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the latest episode of Lethal Podcast. In this week's episode, we sit down with our friend and mad scientist Cody Greenwood of Trad Lab. Cody is doing some incredible things with Trad Lab. He's constantly putting out fact-based studies that are, sh- and he's sharing this information completely free of charge, making it 100% available uh, to all to the public. Uh, to put it bluntly, Cody is our kind of people, and we're very excited to have him on to talk about what he's been up to and some of the stuff we're going to be working on together in the future. So very excited about that. I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. As always, this podcast is fueled by Hunter's Blend. Go to huntersblend.com to get some delicious coffee and use code ABF, all caps, be sure to use all caps, at checkout and get 10% off your order. Uh, actually, it won't be 10% off, but they will donate 10% to the Ashby Bow Hunting Foundation. That's better than getting 10% off, if you ask me. Donate that 10%. Go help the ABF. Uh, and now you can use that code on the subscription setup as well. Man, just set it up and, and get your bag every couple of weeks. Just forget it. Your life's going to be way easier that way. I promise it. So, uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Cody Greenwood with Trad Lab. Enjoy the episode. So this, uh, uh, you want to know one of, uh, kind of a, a funny story. It's like one of my first memories of like interacting with Cody. Well, actually my very first memory of inter- interacting with Cody was last Turkey season. I was sitting in a blind and I saw Cody check in at etc in Kansas city. And I think he's, <laughs> he said something to the extent of like, oh my God, they have this here or something like that. So I messaged him and the only thing I knew about Cody at this point was that he was the dude that did Trav Lab and that and Blaine was like, Cody's really smart, like he's terrifyingly smart. And I was like, oh, OK. So I added him on Facebook <laughs> and I saw I checked in there. I was like, he doesn't live in Kansas City. So I messaged him and I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, I'm moving. So that was that was like one of the very first interactions I, I ever had uh, had with Cody. But this is uh this is your second spring here in Kansas City, right? Yeah, I was um, house shopping during last spring. We just—it's funny—we sat down on the deck tonight, and Mandy Joe brought that up. She said this time last year we were, you know, shopping for a house. So yeah, yeah. This is the first spring where I'm—I'm I'm not even unpacked yet, actually. But we're we're we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're fairly unpacked. We know where things are. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's funny. Well, how's uh, uh how how are you liking Kansas City? You you enjoying it? And you were in Michigan before, I think. If that was right. Yeah, I was I was in Southwest Michigan. So the the hunting in this in this part of the country is much better than where I was. I was in a portion of Southwest Michigan. That that portion of Michigan was really high pressure and pretty tough hunting uh, in terms yeah. of yeah. you know being able to to do any real good. So I'm really happy to be back here i'm originally from oklahoma so this puts us close to our parents and that was a a big part of the decision yeah but i yeah, like kansas absolutely. city it's big enough to uh they have specialty stores for everything and then mm-hmm. it's big enough to get everything you need but uh, i still live kind of out in the country yeah yeah you got a yeah, nice little set about there well it's another another kind of funny but also like terrifying uh, uh one of my first experiences with cody was knowing he had just moved here and then there was an uh and through the side of kansas city that's on there was an f4 tornado that was coming through and it said it was like on a dead straight path to where cody lives and i was like we we had just closed yeah yeah, you had literally just moved in and and i was like wait a second 
Cody doesn't Cody doesn't know about tornadoes. Like, I mean, well, but oh, then, yeah. uh, th- oh, but then you grew up in Oklahoma. We, we like, know I, about tornadoes. Come on. Well, I mean, but not not like not like Tornado Alley, man. It's a that's a different it's a different ball game. But if you grew up in Oklahoma, then then obviously he's probably seen at least a couple. Uh, but the um, uh, uh, but that tornado was heading straight for him, and I I just sent him like five messages. I was like, "Get in your basement, get in your basement, get in your basement." And he was like, "What are you talking <laughs> about? I'm I'm eating Mexican with my wife in Overland Park." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, oh, hope your house is there when you get back." And uh, but ended up it was it was all right. But yeah, I was I was freaking out there for a minute. I was hoping hoping everything was going to go all right. It's just uh, our hey. luck, right? Close on the house. Wisconsin and Michigan still know about tornadoes. I man, I, I'm not I'm not selling your your tornadoes short, but I, I'm just telling you when you when you get south of Iowa, things just change. Especially now, it seems like the corridors really change to like the deeper south. It's like like Mississippi and Alabama; they're constantly getting hit. In Tennessee, it's kind of weird. But uh, yeah, Kansas, Missouri, rate, Oklahoma. What's that? Rate of of tornadoes is definitely different. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I'm still cleaning up damage from tornado from the tornado last fall mm-hmm. at the one property up north. I mean, half the property is is sideways. Yeah. Like, it it's stupid all the trees are just like laying down. Yeah. It's a, uh, uh, it, it's, it's a scary thing, scary thing. But anyway, for those who uh, haven't figured out yet, uh, we're hanging out tonight with Cody Greenwood, um, uh, from trad lab. Uh, Cody, uh, is, uh, now a, a local, uh, here in Kansas city. Uh, so close to me and we've been able to, uh, interact and kind of work on some stuff, uh, uh, together and bounce ideas, uh, back and forth off of each other. And, uh, we've been, I, I've been wanting to, uh, make this happen for a while. I'm glad we're finally able, uh, able to do it, especially with the latest episode that the push, uh, recently put out. Uh, so Cody, you said you, you grew up in Oklahoma. Did you, did you grow up in like a, a hunting family? Was that a big thing for you? Yeah. Hunting was you know part of my life as long as I can remember. And, uh, archery was a big part of that course back then you hunted with whatever, whatever season you had, but I grew up yeah. hunting uh, deer, but not now that I'm <clears throat> actually in this space, I'm, you know how you, I'm going to word this in a way that I'll get hate mail on, but everyone thinks <laughs> that they're average or above average until sure. you kind of get exposed to more. And I thought I was, because of that statement, I've hunted since I was a kid. It's been a part right. of my life. I thought I knew what I was talking about. <clears throat> and the reality mm-hmm. is you start hunting with, you know, people that hunt all over the world and, you know, hunt different animals. And you, you realize that, <laughs> that there's, there's a lot more from, there's a lot more out there. Yeah. But yeah. I've hunted yeah, my whole sure. life, but I'm, I'm just starting to realize how ignorant I am. And I guess you only need to be intelligent enough to know how ignorant you are to just yeah. to better yourself. But that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. That's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, uh, what, what did you, where were you able to hunt when you were, uh, growing up in Oklahoma? Uh, it was quail, rabbit and whitetail mainly. And then, you know, coyotes were really not hunting. It was more of just kind of a chore to get rid of them, but, uh, sure. Yeah. Hogs didn't come in until later. And I was, I think 18 when I killed my first hog in Oklahoma. So hogs came in right as I was, you know, exiting 
high school and all of that good stuff. But right. Was so was that tale. okay? So and, and kind of off topic, but educate me here a little bit on the on the hog like problem slash whatever you want to call it. I guess in the South, were they? I don't know anything about it. I've I've literally been to. I lived in Texas for like six months, but outside of that, I've been to Texas like twice. Um, did they introduce those like for a reason? Because now I know that they're in a, they're a very invasive species. Yeah, I don't I don't really know the origin, but I know, you know, the the country changes. You know, I remember when I was young, there were there were coyotes uh, everywhere and. Right. Not many hogs and the hogs moved in and I really don't know how they were introduced or why, but they, they definitely tear up property. So if you have, if you have yeah. land where you're trying to, you know, grow any type of crop, you have problems. And then of course, if you, uh, if you hunt whitetails, they can, they can be somewhat of a problem. So it's, yeah, it's funny though, because <clears throat> everyone tells you what a problem they are and you say, okay, I'm going to hop in my truck and head down there and I'll kill as many as as I can. And they'll say, that's great. It's, you know, $600 a hog. <laughs> yeah. What kind yeah. of problem is that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. It's not that big of a damn problem. So uh, yeah, that's, yeah. it's, it's a catch. And I think it also, it's a great animal to hunt. Uh, I've hunted them, you know, since oh, I was it definitely young, is. Hunting, hunting them with a bow, you're going to learn about lethality. They have great nose. They're, they're really intelligent. And I think because, I don't know how, but there's like this persona that, oh, I just shoot a hog. They're like, they're easy to kill. If you go hunt a free range, uh, hog and, and go after a larger boar that's got some age on him, you've, you've really done something there. There's, they're wily. They're yeah. Smart animals. Yeah. Man, I bet. Oh, I know when, when we went to Texas, they, they avoided me the whole time. Never saw a single <laughs> one. Super glad I paid you, a couple hundred bucks had- to not even hear anything terrible luck on that trip like i had like axis in front of me i had whitetail in front of me i had pigs in front of me like and and i think you you had something in front of you on like the third day didn't you i had the i had the equivalent of like the like the petting zoo goats in front of me for like five minutes oh, and yeah, that was you it had the goats yeah yeah and and then they were gone. I think I heard a hog one time that I never mm. saw him. So yeah, it was a great trip. Super excited to to go do that again. It was awesome. Yeah. They're they're um, tough. I, I think I spent this spring I had four all day sits with yeah. Well man, you've been side of them with no honey with no kills, yeah. so it's tough. Yeah. You you've well, been, you've been pretty hard. You've here. been stacking bodies, man. You've been you've been hunting a lot. Yeah. You tell me I can work from home, that means I'm <laughs> yeah yeah so as, I, as soon as covid kicked in i bought a 21 foot winnebago pull behind and i've been working from that thing yeah yeah man i bet there I, you go. I would i would have I, I wish i could have uh done something similar to that but i need i need good wi-fi that's the problem so i can't get a super remote places to work at this point in time yeah, i need to i think we're gonna come up we're with gonna a buy a booster for, for the for the RV, we're going to, we need the same. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I yeah. plan on hunting a lot more. I have, uh, I can't, is it seven or eight? I'll lie now. I have seven or eight animals down this year. I'll have to go look and I record all of it. Right. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get kill data. And, um, then I also have some really good hunts this year that I'm excited for. So yeah. Yeah. You got a, you got some cool stuff coming up. Um, so where, when you were, when you're growing up hunting, were you, were you, uh, did you like start off as a, 
as a rifle guy. I know I started off shooting rifles and got into bows as I got a little bit older. Yeah, I started off um, with the 20 gauge and, you know, rabbit hunting a lot. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then uh, I eventually got a Remington 788 that I still have. It was 308 and shot my first several deer with that. And right. Had a bear whitetail too. And, you know, back then archery wasn't, um, archery was really basic. You just grabbed, I didn't even tune arrows back then. You just grabbed arrows and figured out how to make them work. And you went hunting and I, I shot my first doe or deer. It was a doe, um, doing homework, social studies, homework out of a tree stand. Oh, there you go. um, (laughs) Nice. Nice. And, um, it was, I'll never forget the experience. It was a, with a bear whitetail too. And I have a wharf version of that bow now, but it was, it was one of those things that the moment it happened and you, uh, you arrow a deer, you're like, Oh my God, that, you know, it's, it was a great experience and I had a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 So I got hooked and I, I kept the rifle going for quite a while. Um, shot a really nice elk up in Canada and, you know, I hunted for a while and probably, about eight, uh, about 13, 14 years ago, I stopped hunting with a rifle and I went all archery. And then mm-hmm. five years ago, it was my second year in Iowa. I shot a really, it was the nicest buck of my hunting career in Iowa. And um, it was a 63 yard shot. And I shot over four bucks to shoot that buck. And no. <laughs> it was, it's Iowa, right? So that's, that's, and, and I remember, you know, I was excited, but it wasn't anything like, it was starting to get to the point where I wasn't shooting does and I didn't get really excited. I call that buck BB King. The thrill is gone. Like mm-hmm. when you shoot the oh, yeah. of your yeah. career and you're not, yep. <clears throat> you're not excited. It's time to do something else. And then sure. <laughs> I became the, a snob hunter where I wasn't going to shoot anything unless it was large. And, um, that takes the fun out of it for me. So picking up the, oh, it does. the recurve, uh, made, made quite frankly, you go put me in a tree stand right now and put a doe underneath me and I'll give you a heart rate. It jumps up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It still gets exactly. Me yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, it, uh, it's hard to explain, but because the, the enjoyment that comes from shooting a compound and being able to like stack arrows at like 60, 70, 80 yards is, is one thing, but then shooting a trap bow and being able to stack arrows at like 20 yards is like equally as exciting to me. I'm like, Oh, yeah, that worked out. <laughs> well, and that's honestly, I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I think that watching the flight of the arrow is part of that. Because like if I take a, like a 25 to 30 yard shot with my traditional kit, like I'm watching that arrow and before it's even at the target, I'm, you know, relating what I'm seeing and knowing that it's a good shot. Right. And so that there's, there's like additional aspects there where like, I don't get that from compound. Like I, 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 when I have a good shot with compound, like, yeah, I know that, yep, it was a clean release. I'm expecting it to hit where I, where I aimed, but there's less, I don't know, mental feedback. Like, yeah, there's a different, there's a different connection there. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Your, your, it's, your, it's your mind's unique. eye certainly sees something different when you're shooting single string versus looking through a peep. Your mind's eye definitely, yeah. you, you recall a different picture, you see a different picture, and uh, it's really cool. And what I should have done, instead, I mean, I'm glad I did that, but I, I could have just mixed up my hunting and started hunting different animals. I don't know why I didn't do that earlier in my career until now, but now, <clears throat> of course, I'm traveling and hunting more. So now I'm, I'm going back. I'm like, I'm going to have a, I call my new compound that's coming plan B and plan B <laughs> is going to be in the back of the truck. And that's yeah. the last day of the, you know, if you're on a $6,000 hunt that you took in a week of vacation on and you've driven yeah, it's, 12 it's hours one way. To die. Yeah. I'm going to have yep. something. Yeah. If I have something to hire is Blackwater dying. seals to come in, something's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm kind of doing the same thing with, with Turkey. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, I sold my, oh when I went all in on archery, I sold all my, <laughs> my Turkey shotgun stuff. And after, after this year, I was like, you know what, especially if I'm going to travel more for Turkey hunting, I'm going to have a shotgun with me. Like yeah. for when that last day comes and I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm going to shoot it with the shotgun. So Yeah. Plan, turkey is, uh, plan C, I tur- guess. Turkey is definitely my unicorn animal. I can't. Uh, I don't know what it is. Turkeys I don't know what it is. are <laughs> terrible. I have a great like, disdain for turkeys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah honestly, Robert. I, I can't. Yeah, I've I've had. I, and I got this year. I was this. I think. Uh, I think this is my eleventh season of trying to shoot a turkey with a stick bow. And, and it started like the first nine or 10 seasons was stick bow, wood arrows, no blind, no camo. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I finally gave up on that. And, it, <laughs> and, and this year I'm like, I'm going to do it. I hunted, uh, I hunted two different outfitters and um, just everything that, that could have happened happened. And next year I'm, I, I, if, if I, if I get a turkey on the ground, I'm not going to kneel down and pray. I'm going to jump up there and Kamala splash that son of a bitch. They have just destroyed me. Yeah. That, that, well, that's make, about how I'm feeling at this point. So yeah. yeah. Make sure I'm there to film. I don't want to miss out on that. No, I, um, when you, I mean, you feel really dumb. I, and I, you know, I'm trying to get baseline data and I've excluded turkeys now, but when you launch like a eighteen dollar arrow into a turkey and watch it run three hundred yards into the tree line, you're like, "That's how did that just happen?" I, I, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. With it's, a forty dollar broadhead on the front. And, yeah, and Tim King, he told me it's like shooting pillows, and he's not kidding. You just they're hard to kill. Yeah, they easy to hit, hard to kill. They, I mean, they've got vitals the size of a damn grapefruit. Like they're. They're yeah, the, the, the saying I always tell people they're getting into bow hunting turkey is hit them high, watch them die, hit them low, watch them go. And because there's there's nothing on the lower two thirds of that bird. It's just it's just muscle. And uh, so you'll 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 shoot them, but but they won't they won't bleed out and they don't have much blood to begin with because they're a bird. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun animal to hunt. I like hunting it. Um, so what? what exactly is trad lab? How would you describe it? And what, what do you do with trad lab? Um, there's, there's really two, two paths right now. One is, um, the original plan was to, to purchase bows, test them and leave my opinion out of it and just create a fixed set of, uh, metrics with clear definitions around those metrics and post those on a website to allow people to, uh, because it's, it's so easy to buy a bow that you don't like. 
because <clears throat> you don't get to you really don't get to handle them that much and you don't right. have to go to a bow shop three or four times and shoot the same it's not like you're going to go try out the new knock-on edition psc five or six times right. and then decide to buy it yeah so i i created that that web page for that and um i worked really hard to get those metrics and it's it's it was harder than I thought to get those metrics kind of nailed down in terms of sound speed and draw force curve. And, um, and then later I got into shootability, but that that's one piece of it where people can go and they can look at the the speed of the bow or, you know, at different weights of arrows and right. kind of the, the draw force curve and all of that good stuff. And I don't know if that adds value or not. Um, my website doesn't get really blown up. Uh, I get a lot of questions from it daily. So I guess people are going there, but um, it is a, a resource available. I know bowyers use it quite a bit. I give away my, my data to bowyers uh, on mm-hmm. a regular basis. And then the other piece came up, which was kind of a, a myth spin on traditional archery with trad lab where they would pose questions to me. And then I would go do the research and um, use the skills that I'd, you know, picked up professionally to go do research and understand process capability of, you know, different things, whether it be veins or knocks or right. Uh, as now we're getting into more complicated stuff, strings or silencers and, you know, run test and, and kind of share the results with people because there's, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So th- those are the two paths right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm starting a lot of to get data. Into sp- yeah. There's a lot of data and I'm starting to get in a space now where I get to try new stuff. Like if a, the bowyers that I've worked with, if they have something new, I'll, I'll get to try it. And they don't really have to burden themselves with gathering speed and running three chronographs and all of that. And I can give them pretty good standardized data. So I think I'm adding value there to, to a few folks. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh. well, I know, I know I, I frequent half your hits might be for me. Cause I'm always, <laughs> I'm always on there looking to see what you've updated for, uh, I need to, speeds I need to and draw force curves and stuff like that. Yeah, you've got a bunch of a couple of limbs. That I'm I'm kind of curious <laughs> how they turn out. I have I have a lot more done. Than, I just I don't get a lot of feedback from the website, so I don't. I need to just start converting all my data and moving it over there. But yeah, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's been interesting. And the goal was to be unbiased and not allow relationships or especially money to sway my opinion. And that's sure. what I try to continue to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sounds and familiar. I, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I like, I like that train of thought. So, uh, and in your, in your workspace, you definitely have to kind of have that mindset as well. What, uh, what's, what's your work history? What is, uh, how, and how does that kind of tie into, uh, you being able to, uh, um, you know, collect data and, and conduct this testing from Trav Lab and give a, you know, good, honest, like unbiased opinion? Well, I have, uh, so my education kind of rolls up into an MBA from Purdue. And then I have, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Six Sigma or Six Sigma Associates, but there's, oh, yeah. there's different levels of that. So with, mm-hmm. uh, we worked for the Whirlpool Corporation for 23 years prior to working here. And they have a program in Colorado Springs and it's, you go one week a month for two years to get your advanced certification around uh, Six Sigma. And it's basically, um, it's the equivalent of, getting a master's in investigative analytics or, you know, statistical analysis. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would go to Colorado Springs once a, once a month for a week. And we, we received that training and it kind of focuses around um, the investigative analytics side. It also has 
all elements of industrial science, whether it be Six Sigma, Lean, Redesign, uh, the latest is WCM, all of those process-related uh, and efficiency expert uh, people you've ever heard about, that's, right. that's based in that type yeah. of training as yeah. well. And then my career kind of evolved from from that to, because, you know, it's a large company and executives would want to know what's going on and they would go, they would, I would go out there, I would study the facts and I would come back and I would present the facts and um, really getting into the investigative side, which is what I enjoy digging up mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of coming back with a fact-based um, realistic picture of what, what reality is. And so as soon as I got done with that portion of education and kind of my career got to a point where I could, I could uh, have a little bit of spare time. I, I went to uh, IBO worlds and I shot with Dwayne Martin and I kind of had a light bulb moment after struggling with trad for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I realized how easy it was to shoot well, and I realized how wrong, how wrong my beliefs were literally all my belief, literally almost all my beliefs about what was good was wrong. Really? And yeah, a light bulb came on and Dwayne turned to me and he said, 95% of what you've heard is wrong about traditional archery and him and Calvin and Jeff took me off to another 3d course. And we shot for about three or four hours. And I had never seen people shoot like that ever in my life. Right. Like, these guys right. shoot recurves. Like most people shoot compounds. And it's kind of like the five minute mile after you see it done. <laughs> You're like, yeah. How did that you want to do it? Yeah. So a light bulb came on and I came back a man on a mission. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to shorten that learning curve and get people through this so they don't have to spend 15 years of misery, you know, behind them. Yeah. 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 I know that's, uh, um, I mean, that's, it sounds like the, the whole, um, mantra of the push, right. Is to, is to shorten the, shorten the uh, traditional learning curve. curve. Yep. That's exactly what their mantra is. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're a good match. Yeah, you guys are two two peas in a pod, and you you in the last like what's six months, eight months, maybe longer than that, I guess. At the time, I have lost all sense of time during Corona. Oh, like, agreed. I don't know, I don't know what day of the week it is. I couldn't. Eat, I, I thought it was like July. I I literally looked at my calendar. I was like, oh, Fourth of July is in like a week. No, it's in a month and a week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, so uh, you but you long story longer. You've recently somewhat recently partnered with them, right? And you're you're officially doing some some stuff with with the push. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know that it. I don't know if that I saw that question in the outline. I don't know that that is an official like if it changed anything. I think it was sure. Of, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it changed a ton, but uh, yeah, but I, it I, seems yeah, like I, I you're, wanna, you're in cahoots with each other. You're thick as yeah. Thieves, de- per we're se. definitely partner partnering with them and we had probably worked together for about six or seven months. And what those two have together is really, really special in terms of a partnership. The two of them can, can battle it out and argue and completely disagree. And they both respect one another's opinion. And they, and I tell them this all the time. I'm like, you guys make sure you don't undervalue that, that, that business relationship because those two have it. And then uh, as I started working with, with them, Matt, of course, is a mechanical engineer and his, his assets fit really well with my liabilities. So just mm-hmm. because I'm good at stats doesn't mean I understand. Well, for example, I'm spending my free time now reading about freaking aerodynamics. And <laughs> that's not something I have a base in or any college hours. 
uh, same thing with, you know, the mechanical side. So working with Matt, uh, we bounce things off one another really well and we can, it, the iterative design comes really fast. And then Tim's uh, not technical, but he has this uncanny ability to, to ask the question in the back of the room. The right question. Speech. Yeah. yeah. To, to give yeah. you a little black eye on your way. Uh, yeah. Love that Tim's, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Tim's always, so like in those episodes when he's getting me with zingers, those aren't staged. I didn't know it was coming. Timmy just right. nails you. And you're like, oh, aren't I smart? I forgot to do, you know, it's, he just, he has that really good ability to keep us grounded. So yeah. I value yeah. that. You need and, those uh, guys we have to, a partnership. like, so often, at least for myself, like if, if I'm deep diving on something, I'll start like honing in on things and, you know, we'll be at some, you know, dark rabbit hole and someone will go, well, did you think about this? Like completely obvious to anyone else. And I'm like, why did I not think of that? Like I'm over here <laughs> yeah. in this rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> so you, you need those people, right? Yep. So like, Timmy, it, it's just it's a good, such a huge part of it. Yeah. It's a good relationship. And I, above that, what I hold most important when, you know, when I'm evaluating what we're doing is, you know, their value hierarchy. And I think those guys are genuinely, their mission statement is accurate and it's a genuine, they're not, they're not trying to get rich. Yeah. They're not they are genuinely trying to make traditional archery better and they work really, really, really hard at it. And uh, yeah. same thing with, yeah. you know, I catch crap from, you know, uh, about Aaron Snyder and I'll usually defend that when you strip all the podcast away and you look at what he's doing, his value hierarchy is very good and it's repeatable. And he doesn't sway from it. So when I find people like that, I try to, I try to keep them close and those uh, Tim and Matt are definitely, definitely, live in the value hierarchy that, that I agree with. Oh yeah, I agree. Good. Uh, I mean, Matt, Matt and Tim and, uh, I guess everyone, I, I don't know who, who else might be involved, uh, uh, with, with the push, but I, I feel like I can solidly say that the traditional archery scene would not be anywhere, anywhere near what it is right now, unless Matt and Tim had come out with their first film. No, man. Uh, like I, I, I went, oh, it was gigantic. When I, I mean, first got, when I bought my first bow or I traded that nitrum for it, uh, Isaac actually sent me a link to it and it was maybe, I want to say six months after they released that, that, uh, that movie or that, that full length, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, tutorial. It was like a giant yeah. tutorial and, uh, and, and I watched it and I was like, literally all of my questions have been answered. Like in that, and then that's, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know as well. Like I didn't know what other questions I had, but like that made things so much easier from, from a like absolute trad noob perspective. It, 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 it quite literally shortened my learning curve by, by a substantial amount. And I, I had, I definitely had, uh, um, a, uh, a sense of, uh, within like six months, I was like, this trad thing isn't isn't that hard, and then then the crash <laughs> the crash came uh, uh, very 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 hard, and I was like, oh, like everything's falling apart, and it wasn't from like target panic or anything like that. It was just like, oh, like like oh, I, I was shooting well. I you know I'd 
go through the course and, and, you know, shoot an eight average, which I was pretty happy with at the time. And, and now, now I'm just like, God, I can't, I'm not shooting nearly as well. I think I've overcomplicated some things, but at the same time, I, I definitely wouldn't have shot that well at the beginning unless, unless it had been for, uh, for Matt and Tim and, and for people like Snyder, you know, causing that influence to, to happen. Yeah. It's, um, it's that that's their cornerstone that piece is and that really does they still stand by those values and they're they they do a lot for the community yeah absolutely rob yeah. did you have something you wanted to add to that oh no i i completely agree with what you're saying um i think that they've they've done a lot for the traditional community and especially bringing it to the younger generation yeah I mean, most of the people that i know that shoot traditional are older in age yeah you can say yeah. it, rob it's okay and <laughs> you know there there are not many people that i know that i mean i'm i'm 30 like i don't know too many people my age that are shooting traditional yeah like i i go to my local league and i'll have people that are in their 50s 60s 70s going oh man like that's awesome you're shooting a recurve for for league everyone else looks at me like why are you shooting a recurve for <laughs> <League>? <laughs> right. it's, yeah it's and a- so there's this dichotomy and i th- i think that having someone like the guys at the push that are younger you know our age and that are pushing this kind of stuff is is huge because Pinks it's it's breaking that barrier for people to go you know what it, it's okay for me to want to do this yeah like and and that's huge i mean i i found them and oddly enough i found cody relatively at the same time right um when i was gifted a self-bow one of my buddies found a self-bow in his grandpa's garage <laughs> had no idea what it was and when here like you like bows try this take this yeah and and i went okay cool so i measured it i strung it and what do you know it's a 76 pound self bow <laughs> and i just started abusing myself Naturally. yeah i was going to say <laughs> one of the, one of the first phone conversations i remember having with cody was him ranting to me. I've literally, I'm 99% sure this is the first phone call I ever had with him. He went on like a 10 minute rant on how people make, make trad so hard when they first start. And the entire time I was thinking, this is Rob. Rob picked literally <laughs> the most difficult bow possible to shoot, but he's Accurate. still, but he's, but he's still shooting it. And I just found it. I found it so Accurate. funny when Cody's like, well, they're, they're doing it wrong. <laughs> like This is, this is going to be more detrimental than it is good for their, see, for their trad journey. See, at, at least, at, at least I am like, I am by no means in great shape, but archery wise, I'm, I'm above. You, you got a, you got some strong shoulders on you. Yeah. Yes. And so honestly, there, there were things that, that definitely hurt me in that aspect, like yeah. from a, a, a technical aspect, but I mean, I was, I was shooting an 80 pound compound. I worked up to where, you know, 
Isaac was the first one going like, you're not holding long enough. You're snap shooting. Yeah. And so that, that's what I worked on. I worked on holding that 76 pound longbow and aiming. And woof. Like I killed my first animal with it last year. And unfortunately it cracked. So now I, I, I have it on my wall. Yep. But like now I've got, uh, well, it's a 65 pound, uh, tiger cat bear at my draw length. It's 72 <laughs> and I can hold that fine. Punishment. But, that's, punishment. but I can, I can hold it fine. Yeah. That's, I, know. I, 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 I draw it nice and clean, hold it. I release when I want. Yeah. And like, it's. I am 100% a glutton for punishment. I will not argue <laughs> that fact at all. Yeah. But, you know, stuff that Cody's put out, stuff that the push has put out with, you know, the technical aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely been, helped. I mean. Yeah, hugely it, beneficial. It was hugely beneficial for me. Yeah. And like when I picked up my first ILF recently. That's 47 pounds. Kids bow, right? And, well, oh, God. <laughs> but, like, I thought that I was shooting my heavy bows well because I, I was, I was in my mind, pretty consistent. Yeah. My it's, release it's, was horrid. You have to... <laughs> I, I always try to encourage people to... Sh- everyone... Again, this kind of goes back to everyone regresses to the mean. Everyone thinks they shoot well, but wells, there's not a number on well. So I always try to yeah, right. yep. shoot a 300 round. And I would say, good, I'd say great shooting is keeping them in the red at 20 yards because then you're yeah. basically in vitals all the time. And that's yep. hard to yep. do with a, a really heavy bow. And as I've added, because I've, I've I spent the winter developing target panic through this study. <laughs> I know, and I added I know. weight and I, I made bows shorter and it really becomes hard to, to hit vitals when yeah. you make, when you, when you choose an uncomfortable bow. So yeah. I always try to, yeah. and there's not a voice saying that the voices, you know, if you come into trad, you're going to deal with a bunch of boomers talking about 58 inch bows that are 70 pounds and file your broadheads yeah. and, and then you, you meet them in real life and they can't shoot or you cut their feathers off, see how they tune and their arrows fly sideways. And yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's more talk than it is, um, you know, ability. And, yeah. and unfortunately that's, that's prevalent. So it's pretty nasty. Uh, it is you stand up and say, you know, things that I say, but it's, it's actually getting a lot easier. Uh, well, and now and that's where like, ago. like, I at least had the advantage of I came from being a very critical compound tuning guy. And so I, I had very high expectations for flight quality. I had very high expectations for consistency and like where like, I guess my comment before where I thought that I was shooting my high pound bows well, it's not that I wasn't being like lethally consistent, but 
like when I stepped down to a a bow in the forties, all of those little things that I, you know, were being hidden by the additional string tension came to light. Yeah. Like all of a sudden I saw those little plucks and I saw, you know, all, all these little issues when I was trying to bear shaft tune this, this ILF rig for the first time. Yeah. And it'll, I, it'll I had to go things. right back to square one and go, okay, I, I, I have to work on my release. Like, and now like I pick up that tiger cat and it is night and day. Yeah. Because I, because I'm focusing on those little things. Yeah. And that's not even like a super, like, I mean, it's a shootable bow, but it's not like the most shootable bow, even if it was a lower weight. That, yeah. That I mean, tiger it's, cat's not, it's 62 inches. Yeah. That's not bad. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's super bad. short. I mean, I, I'm drawing it to 30, 29 yeah. and three quarters. So, I mean, it's not like it's, super short but for my draw length it's not long <laughs> right no for sure for sure so cody cody you've done uh, what what studies have you concluded so far which ones have you published and and been able to uh um to talk about and and for for those listening uh i'll be sure to drop links for all of cody's trad loud trad lab episodes uh, with the push in the description. So as he talks through these, if you want to go check those out, you can check them out in the description here. I don't know if it's funny that you use the term concluded because I'm still <laughs> my first. <laughs> Nothing my, is my, ever my, concluded. It's never <laughs> concluded. I, uh, I'm looking at initial releases. We'll say. Yeah. yeah so my first um, published was, I think, oh, that was the the feather debacle, the five inch feathers. So I, I tested I think feathers so, yeah. because I, yep, I thought it, was. it would be easy. And um, I was going after a sacred cow, one of my first. And um, yeah, man, you you ruffled the trad feathers there, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, we had some steak. So I, it, the first one was around feathers, and they all link. If you were to look at my thought map, everything links to one another. Um, I. I started with feathers and um, I started to see the trade-offs because everything in, in, in archery, or I almost said physics, but archery is physics. Everything, absolutely everything is a trade-off. You're not going to gain sure. something without giving something. Completely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, hopefully we're going to get geeky here in a minute on Ashby and we can talk about that further. But I went down that path of feathers and I really just started by accident on the back of the arrow and worked my way forward. Mm-hmm. So the first one was basically five inch feathers were, were, you know, kind of seemed to be more of a detriment than they were an asset, uh, in, sure. in, in hunting situations. And then just some real simple studies there. There wasn't a lot of statistical heavy lifting in that one. And then, um, the next one was pretty heavy. I wanted to, I wanted to flex a little bit and be a little bit more <clears throat> non, uh, I, I, I can't find the word for it. I didn't, I wanted to be more conclusive. So sure. I, I, I went deep in the, in the stats and I compared, um, different vein configurations and feather configurations. And, uh, that's mm-hmm. where we ended up. I ended up with the four Fletch 90 and, um, what's interesting is I go ahead. I, I was just going to say initially the first one was like three Fletch versus four Fletch. 
It was three, four, and, and five inch, right? Yeah. The, oh, the three, first four, one was five inch. Yeah. yeah. The first one yeah. was the length, and the second one was configuration. Second one was I configuration. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. And of course, with the research that I've, I'm doing literally at night right now to complete the study I'm doing, I'm learning why my findings were the way they were because I'm, I'm learning yeah. about how FOC. Uh, Learning about turbu- turbulence yeah, and stuff like right, that. Right. Yep. So that was the first one, and it was it it, it went pretty well. Uh, the second one went to and to me went really well, and then the trad veins were just happened to be come out by the grace of God, and I threw yeah. those in the study, and that really launched it into the another dimension of it sure of did <laughs> traditional piss off. <clears throat> and, uh, oh well, that that too, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that most definitely happened as well. But I had just purchased a lot of sound equipment, and it was just again some of this. It's not a matter of being smart or strategic; it's just being dumb lucky. And uh, I shot these different configurations over decibel meters, and I have to point this out: my decibel meters record sound as well over time, so I can see the spikes. It's not that slow mm-hmm. that everybody worries about. And right. it just happened to see that the, the I'm like, oh, these trad veins are really quiet. And I started paying attention to the sound of the arrow versus the sound of the bow. And that's when I started kind of working into those those calculations where I can hear I I'd put a mic up at target, I can hear this arrow twelve yards away over ambient sound. I can hear this configuration nine yards away. And that was about the spread, if I remember correctly, over ambient sound. And then mm-hmm. I went out and actually if you go sit where you hunt and record the ambient sound, it's terrifyingly low in the mornings or in the evenings, right? <laughs> it is yep. like, it's, it's be- like a whisper sounds like a, you know, a Les Paul ringing out. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I really got nerdy on sound for a while through that. And then uh, the, the next published was, so I did a lot of studies between these publications. Uh, the next was, uh, silencers, which I learned string from silencers. Feed, yeah. String silencers. Yep. I learned from the previous study that it's not enough to have quantitative results. Uh, it's important that I be practical, graphical and quantitative mm-hmm. to, to make sure that it's, it's conclusive. So I had all my stats and I had all the sound measurements of all these different silencers. And then I had the speeds, but what sold it was I did the single blind study and I have training from doing because a lot of investigations are around gathering opinions. So there's a science yep, behind yep. that. And there's, oh, yes. <laughs> there's a lot oh. of things you have to manage and there's a lot of judgment heuristics that you have to manage when you're polling groups. So I have some education in that. I, I leveraged that at ETAR and I put several guys behind the curtain and they couldn't tell the damn difference. Uh, yeah, that between that portion of the podcast with the push was hilarious because yes, I've yes, I have been a part of studies like that, and I was I was literally laughing while I was listening because I <laughs> I, I felt I felt that pain. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was a hard pill for everybody. Just, I mean, I I sh- I just recently had a string wear out. Finally, it started stretching again. It still had Dynapuffs on it because I, I wasn't ready emotionally not to have fuzzy things on my string. Yeah, so I run, yeah. <laughs> I would run Dynapuffs and then I would run the spiders. Now I'm all spiders, so I'm, I got a double heterodyne. I run a third and a fourth, and I, I and you, and I know I can't tell a difference. You can feel it. There's a little bit of vibration, which makes sound. Yep, we yep. perceive sound as louder, but perceive is louder. But, yeah. yeah. When you let other people shoot your bow, it's always quiet, right? You're like, damn, my bow's quiet. It's because you're not feeling the vibration. Right. So we kind of explained that away and that was a big hit. And I, I, 
I feel like that was my most successful one because I was practical. Um, I gave people a practical approach and uh, that's what I'm trying to do now. And I went down the path of, you know, several other studies. I have a, a lot of things that I've, I've, I've worked on and it even happened today where you start down a path and you're like, Oh my God, I wonder what happened if I did this. And you, 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 you rain the day away, but uh, now I'm working on arrow weight, arrow FOC and arrow balance. And I have purchased the equipment and I'm, I'm using it now for the effective edge and broadhead uh, combined with that. Because what I'm learning now that I'm studying why things work the way they are, I'm learning that fletching and, and, you know, FOC interact with one another and uh, yep. your center of balance aerodynamically interacts with the, the center of mass of your arrow. And, and I'm starting to learn those interactions and just how complicated they are. So I'm, mm. I'm getting my hands around that study now. I've, I've run probably, I've got about three days worth of data now. So I, 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 I graphed some of it and shared it with the boys and, they looked yeah. at it and we got enough to know we're dangerous, but, uh, it should yeah. be, it should be interesting. Cool, man. I'm, I'm pumped to see all the results of, of all that stuff. And that's one of the reasons that, that I, I said, well, if we're going to record an episode, we need to record it ASAP because when you, when you sent me that text, uh, before that episode was released and said, uh, I'm going to need your help managing people on this because I don't want this to be perceived the wrong way. I was kind of confused. And then I listened to the episode and I was like, okay, like I get it. And then this, this makes sense. Oh yeah. So, so uh, what you, this originally started and, and and when I, when I say this, I'm referring to the latest episode and kind of what we're going to wade into here for a minute. This originally started as a bow study, I believe. And, and you were, you were doing uh, a study on, on riser on overall bow length and riser length and mass and all this fun stuff. And then it kind of morphed into an arrow study. And, uh, you, when you did this episode, you released, uh, a video or the push released a video, um, showing some arrow flight and, and you, you had some, some, maybe what you, what you considered, uh, uh, testy, uh, um, results, uh, which I, I think it just solidifies, you know, kind of, kind of what, uh, what doc was saying. And that, that was the big thing is you didn't want him, you wanted to make sure that people didn't think you were attacking, uh, uh, Dr. Ashby and, and kind of the stuff and the work that he had done. Uh, so what, what, what did that episode entail? And like, what, what did you find so far that you kind of spilled the beans over, over on that episode of the push? Okay. And uh, I should have opened with this, but I, I want to thank you guys for having me on. Cause I know you're probably taking some risk in having me on and doing me this favor and letting me tell the story to your audience. We, uh, so I do appreciate that. Nah. You're welcome, <laughs> but we don't really care if they're bad. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll get over it. <laughs> they'll get over it. But, but I re- I do think as, as probably the, one of the more, probably the most Ashby heavy podcast, uh, um, I, I think it, it should go a long way with people. At least I hope it does that, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you reached out to me initially for like to, to make sure that this wasn't going to be taken out of context. And, right. and if, if this, if this conversation is happening, like it wouldn't, if, if we thought you were trying to, to damn everything to hell in a sense, then this conversation wouldn't be happening. So, uh, I'm, you guys, I'm, you guys also well, and, said that and, you and, were. 
you said you were disappointed in the results that you found so far or you know it wasn't what anybody expected or wanted no, it wasn't what anyone expected on. but no, a, yeah. it wasn't. A, a big thing that i guess i want to point out is that doc the abf you know anyone involved it's not you know none of us have a, a specific agenda right right we we want I, know, I do have a consistent. A, a, I've asked, I've asked for an <laughs> autograph for six months. And this is supposed to be well, the freaking well, media arm of the Ashby Foundation. <laughs> I want one quiver signed. Is all I ask for. Well, maybe we can help you out with that, Cody. We can. Uh, we can probably. So that, that probably my arranged. I, I think Matt texts me and he's like, "I'm at the Stones." I'm like, "Is Ashby there? Have him sign something." <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately for us he was not there either so no yeah i yeah. I, I do have his signature on a couple of things but i yeah, do too yeah <laughs> um what i was gonna say though is that the real goal and the drive behind what doc was doing what the abf is doing is aerolithality and that and then that's you know a a clean statement period and where the data leads is as long as it's clean data is where things are going to eventually move to yeah so so it's well, it's not that i mean if you look at the ashby studies and like, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the oddballs. Well, we're probably one of the couple of the oddballs that have actually read the full duration of the reports from the Natal study through the 2019 updates. Like I, I've read them multiple times. I've done reviews on them. I've done edits on them. I have looked at them a ton. And the, the the biggest thing that I take out of it is that if you look at the early studies, the the first couple of reports, and then you look at the last couple of reports, there are contradictions because things that just like yeah, what you guys are he's finding, on he's on an he's on an iterative path. You, you can see exactly. his iterative path through his design. Yeah, and just like comments that you made and that Matt made and Tim made in the podcast with the push, like you had preconceptions, right? So, I mean, early on the tall study, he's seeing things and he's going, okay, well, based on what I'm seeing, I'm I'm pretty sure that this is like the biggest factor and, you know, and this is maybe second and then 20 years later, after all of that data collection, it's going, man, like I was, I was a little off over there. Right. Like, yeah, you can see is, the adjustments. This that's, that's is good. truly, you know, what's important. And these are secondary. Right. And so, so it's, it, it, it's, it's an evolution. And people need to understand that. 
Yeah. It's, yeah, well, I, I think so. I, and I, the goal is to, because I, I, when the COVID outbreak um, kicked in and I went into quarantine, the first thing I did was download all the reports. And I think I read them in about 48 hours because I was texting <laughs> I got a couple of text messages where my where the wife is like, "Who is texting you at two in the morning?" I'm like, oh, don't worry, Cody. About it. Don't worry. <laughs> the my finding from when you immerse yourself in it because I am challenging Ashby's reports. If, if and people are gonna yeah immediately get angry with me, I'm not gonna accept it until I ch- challenge it. Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, well, and, and I, I think Trad tra- Lab and the push is out for, and, and the APF for that matter, is out for truth more than anything. Yep. And, and, and I think and I, if, I think what we're going to find, my leading theory, and I'll say this on here is, and I've said this before to you, Matt, my biggest finding from immersing myself into the study versus immersing myself into the internet average opinion is that one thing that Ashby proved is that people read and hear what they want to hear. Yep. And um, absolutely the the core of the Ashby study. If you look at our technology curve, it's terrible. It's 20 something years. People are starting to finally adopt this, but they're adopting this and they're, and they're kind of missing. They're adopting portions of it that they want to. And unfortunately people are marketing to portions of it and and driving some of that. So my study is really going to be around um, those, those factors. And what I'm, challenging is the magnitude and direction of those factors um sure so the the things that i'm going to challenge won't anger ashby i'm i wouldn't do this body of work unless i was ready to stand in front of the doctor and present it and when i say present it i'll hand him my raw data i've structured this in a way that i'm i'm ready to to do that and what who will be angry at me are the people that are shooting untuned arrows with 300 grains up front yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's not good logic and you're just, you're, so it's, 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 that's the, the expectation well, I, I, I and see here. I mean, the, the people that, that really understand doc's work should have zero issue understanding that because I mean, he, he went as far as putting things in a precedence, and I mean, what, what's what? What are the top factors? Stuff needs to hold together, right? And it needs to fly clean. Yeah, and this those are the it, you know top this is, factors. And if you think about the timing at which. He came out with it. And this is my, you guys are probably young for this. This is my slash analogy, you know, from Guns N' Roses. When everybody else sounds like, <laughs> when everybody else sounds like Van Halen, this guy in a top hat with long hair sounds completely different and takes the world by storm, right? So in a world of overdraws yeah, yeah. on compounds and light arrows, we're talking about yep. mid nineties here. We're overdraws. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Ashby comes out with a paper that is the exact polar so opposite all of wrong. the average opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's that's why it, it took, you know, so so many years for people well, to start. People wonder adopting. why he got blackballed. Like it was the complete opposite of what the industry was pushing. Right. So that's it'll be interesting to go down this I'm down this path. It took me I have three full days of setup this week and I finally started shooting uh this week. But uh 
we'll go down this path. I, I can already tell it's going to take more data than I had anticipated just because <laughs> there's, there's variables that, uh, that are coming into play, but um, and yeah. the signals that are showing up that, that I didn't expect. But yeah, that's I, I just got I got a text from Cody last night that said this is this just got way more complicated. This grouping just got way more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but yep, every 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 step you take is like another another fork in the tree branch that you right. have to you, you have to you address. Know, you have to figure out. You have to like I'm running a study across ten or eleven different arrows. Some of them are micro diameter. Some of them are two hundred four. Some of them are tapered. Well, each one of those subcategories require a different center shot if you believe center shot is a driving factor in lethality. And oh, yeah. from, our, from our slow, our high-speed film that we talked about, we were expecting to see that snaky arrow flying through the air, and we, we saw these things just hammering in. We're like, that has to be center shot. And, yep. you know, that's when it dawned on me that, you know, what, I, what I'm going to get out of a longbow versus what I'm going to get out of a a recurve that has adjustable center shot is night and day. <clears throat> and I am, I'm, I think we're going to see that. But so well, I was that, stumbling that's down one that. thing, like from listening to the push podcast, that was honestly one big takeaway that I had was there are significant advantages performance wise to having a, uh, you know, a more modern style setup that I can actually tune center shot compared to like this, the, the self, you know, hill style longbow that I was shooting that had no shelf. Right. I was shooting, I was shooting off of a peg. Right. So like if, if I shot that off of a slow-mo, Compared to a center shot, you know, tuned setup. Because, I mean, mine was tuned. Like, my bear shaft still flew. Right. But there's a there's a world had, of difference I, between a stiff shaft and a, and a shaft that bends oh, around a riser. 100%. Right. And I think that that, you know, it's it sounds really obvious, right? But... That that's a big that's a big point. Yep. Well, and and like you, I think you said in in the episode, Cody, is it it just proves, uh, and, and like you said, you know, you want to kind of stick a number on if you can, like how important flight quality is, and and how it can make up for a lot of other uh, things that may be perceived as extremely important, but when you have extremely high quality flight quality uh the the uh, ma- the magnitude of how important something else is can can start to diminish i would guess right no it's that's 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 what? where i think we're gonna see just in the course of my my opinions are very different now from when i recorded that podcast because i have data so i have more iterative reps but as i stood there and recorded that i was dumbfounded by what we saw in that film so what yeah, what uh, did you see in the film? <clears throat> if if you can if you can talk about it, I know you talked yeah, about sure. a little bit on there. Yeah, so I mean, they took um, very different arrows. We took the names of the arrows off, so we're not you know raising cane yet. But you're looking at very very, <laughs> I can't very wait. different. Arrows. I cannot wait. <laughs> and you're, they're hitting a target, and that's a one inch square grid. And what we expected to see was honestly, we expected to see 
um, we the expect snake. to walk. Yeah, the snake and, and to show the difference between an untuned and a tune and hopefully see some differences from arrow to arrow. And what you what we found was when you get the that bow tuned, there was nothing to see, which is something to see to me. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> they were and I've been there. You're bummed out when you don't have a signal. But that that was a massive signal to me. Yeah. Said, oh, okay, definitely. We definitely have to change direction here and, and we have to start looking at um, at center shot, obviously, because it plays a, a role. And I've modified my design now, my design experiment that I was going to shoot a wood bow like because a, a widow's cut past center and then you have long bows that aren't. I, I haven't decided if I'm going to do that or if I'm just going to simulate it and shoot a controlled center shot way out and then bring it slowly in and show well, the, the variant. And that was one question that I wanted to ask you because like there are guys that love shooting non-center cut bows. Of course. Right. And so of course they're going to be curious of, well, I, I don't want to move to some ILF with, you know, a plunger and all this stuff. Like I, I want to shoot. You say that until you that shoot I one. Well, I know. And I, no. I know. I know. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm, I'm currently delving into that right now, but, it was just from from a from a you know outside looking in perspective that was the one thing that kind of struck out at me because for the longest time i was shooting a non-cut bow and so that was like the first thing that kind of popped into my head was okay so like what is the difference if i've got a you know a properly tuned you know, I have the proper spine with the proper point weight for for what I'm shooting. I have clean flight, but that shaft is, you know, in order to have that clean flight, my shaft has to flex around the entire riser. Yeah. Before it, it starts to recover. You know, what kind of a detriment is that? Compared to if I move to a more modern setup that is actually center shot, right? And that that's that's an entire, at least in my mind, that's an entire rabbit hole to itself. But that was the first thing that kind of popped into my head listening to the episode going like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. But what about the guys that aren't shooting these rigs? Yeah, you have to shoot a heavier weight. I mean, what you're doing when that arrow is is bending on impact is, from a physics perspective, it's you're going to increase the pressure, which is the ratio yeah. of force to area over which you know yep. you're applying, and that, and you just have to shoot a you gotta you gotta be at the top of your game and shoot a heavier rig and shoot a heavier you know arrow and and work your way through that and people have killed and I'm going to hear it all. I just, that statement will get me emails. I've killed deer for 20 years. I'm sure you have. (laughs) (laughs) It's not hard to kill, you know, so I'm not taking anything. I'm looking right now at a rack of longbows that I have that I love. And I actually, I was shooting my, my Tolkien this evening to relax. Tolkien, you love that bow, man. I know. And it's the slowest bow. I always point it out. My favorite It's a good bow. bow. It's a good bow. And so I, I, I'm not going to stop shooting those. I have ebony footed 
wood shafts on order right now that are going to, that are being footed for me. Uh, I, I, I continue to, to support that path, but what I'm trying to point out, if you're, if you're looking at coming in to hear from, from compound, your, your user story is you're worried yep. about lethality. You're mm-hmm. always oh, yeah. worried about lethality because we're human beings, right? We, we care if we kill something or not. We don't want to injure things. We want them. We want to kill them, bring them back. So people always worry about that. And I'm, I'm just trying to create one little voice, one little channel that says, Hey, if you're worried about that, there's some drastic differences in results that you can go after by making, by redefining your definition of trad. And right. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, if, if not, you can still, you know, do it the, the way people have been doing it for years and years and years. And, uh, but I think there's, uh, I don't think I know because of just this year, I've, I've killed all my animals with 46 pound limbs, 46 or 47 pound limbs. And I'm getting good results and I'm doing it with midline intentionally. I'm using midline arrow weights. Uh, so I think about five thirty. I finally weighed one. Um, but Ain't I'm just bad. trying to offer that voice. Pretty good. So that's, that's where we're at with the, the arrow study. And I'm still playing with veins. Of course. Uh, I'm going to test. Yeah. FOC. You shoot, you shoot veins on your rigs. Don't you? Yeah. I shoot you don't even shoot feathers anymore. No, not unless I'm having to shoot through screen. Uh, I shoot, Right now, I shoot AAE hybrids, and mm. it's just because of sound. It's a sound play. Sure, uh, they're, yeah. There's so much quiet. I can get that arrow so close to those those animals before they jump that it's hard for me to ignore. And it's a pain because you really have to pay attention to contact. If I, you yeah, know, obviously. Uh, so there's there's a trade off there, but it's one I'm willing to to take. Um, sure, but I'm yeah, playing you're, with you're FOC. playing with like knock height. You're playing with, you know different stuff to to get the clearances you need right yep yeah absolutely so every one of these arrows is what i'm learning now and that's what i was sharing with matt it's not just that i have to shoot the 204s different than i do the tapered and the micros now i'm learning that there's one micro out of the the three that i tested the other day that requires a completely different tune uh i so i shoot really vap ss uh x impact and deep impact and the deep impact requires a, a different tune than the other two. Uh, and the tapers require a different, slightly different knock height than the 204s. So there's, yep. um, when you're dealing with variation, there's variation in setup. And when you're running a designed experiment, you, you either want to do a repeat. So like, okay, I got a result. Okay, repeat it. Can you get that result every time? And then there's exactly. a replicate and a replicate is tear all your stuff down, put it all back together. Can you get the result? And do it again. Yeah. And you're trying to isolate your variation in your setup. So when I get a speed yep. off a bow, for example, if it's a real, like right now I have a covert hunter, a brand new covert hunter sitting here uh, that I'm doing speed test on. That's a controversial bow because it's at the top of its game. So like yeah. it and its next competitor, you're talking about a few feet per second. So I don't just run it through the three chronographs and call it a day. I run it through the three chronographs. I tear them all down. I put them all away. I come back a week later. I set them all up and I run it again. And I look for my own setup variation and I make sure I'm yep. courtroom ready with that data. And it's this, this arrow study because it's going to create so much um, um, energy. It's create I guess waves. Is the word. We'll call it yeah. buzz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have to make sure that I hold knock fit constant. I have to make sure that I hold vein constant that I hold tune constant. And then 
now I'm testing different level settings of center shot and uh, different level settings of FOC will be tested. And um, uh, I am shooting not live animals, but three different target mediums. And I know that's going to be criticized as it should be. I don't know if I'm going to see a signal. Uh, I'm shooting particle board right now, which I am seeing a signal on. Thank, thank God it was a relief. I'm shooting a matrix that I haven't shot yet for this. And, I, and then I went and bought some cheaper at Cabela's, those foam layered targets. Cause I think yeah, when, it, yeah. when we get into the edge debate, some targets call for more edge than others. And I don't want to bias edge. So that's what I'm really testing right now. Our arrow design center shot and then edge. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm running the entire study with field points and then I'm running the, I'm, I'm blocking and I'm running that study again on an iron wheel buff 200. And then uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a, I have tough heads lined up. It just depends on what, what my signals look like, but I'll, I'll probably, I'd like to do a three to one style head as well. Yeah, yeah. Tunability will definitely, or being able to tune at those certain weights will definitely play a big part in tough head as well, just because they're relatively heavier and that might be, play a part in, in clean well, yeah. flight and, so, and, so and have, then changing center shot. Right. You have to change. So when I go from a 200 grain, I'll go to a 300 grain. I have to retune absolutely everything. Yeah. Know? And, uh, I've got three plungers that I'm running right now. And I, I, so I spent three days proving to myself, I could tear down my bow, put it back together and hold a tune. And, um, I've got that. So as soon as I got that checked, I started shooting and, the next step for me, uh, I have a push force gauge that I invested in and I have a tower that equalizes the, the speed and pressure in which you apply. So I'll yep. be doing push force tests on the broadhead and connecting that to the arrow because uh, that's that's a leading theory now. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, that ties into the, the whole edge retention and how much sharpness plays into it and... I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole, you know, to, ch to chase down. Yeah. Well, I know, and, and I'm speaking from experience because I had to go grab a field point for him. I mean, I know Cody is taking all this seriously because he, he found out uh, he was using the same uh, uh, field point for, all of these and then uh, found out one of the field points and the, uh, the insert didn't, uh, didn't make a very sticks, uh, stuck out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't make a very happy couple. So I, I found some, some <laughs> same, same weight field points that won't, uh, won't cause any additional drag on those uh, TDTs because the outsert's so big, but uh, uh, well, yeah. And, and I mean, it really I, depends I, on the shaft. Cause like I actually, I had this discussion with a customer th this afternoon um, and it's one where, okay, so if you're going to have an outsert, right. And like, if you have a micro shaft, then you just make the outsert a standard size. If yeah. you have a small diameter shaft, a, a normal small diameter shaft, then you can probably just make it a standard, you know, five sixteenths. Yeah. Yep. A TDT, it's a small diameter shaft, but like once you get past like a 320 actually i don't i don't remember what the numbers on the 320 are but like i know for sure the 240 and especially the 170 it's a small diameter internal diameter but yeah, you're but the same size or larger than most 
standard diameter shafts. Yeah, it's it's like OD. a it's like a twenty three, really. Like yeah, size wise, it it, it so, really is. So like, I mean, I personally on my compound run one seventies, and well, I guess I I run one seventies or I'm running a rampage one fifty, and I run the one seventy outsert on both because they're like two thousands difference od for the shafts and in order to have a clean transition from my broadhead ferrule to the component i need to be selective in what i use because it it isn't a you know a standard size shaft at that point and so like I believe on the 240s, the outer diameter is like, uh, what is it, like 342? They're Three, big. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's like 11, 1130 seconds. Some are yeah. right in that ballpark. So it's like, you know, 130 second larger than normal. Yeah. So 164th of overhang per side. Yeah. Which, if you look at Doc's study, is is significant. I, I believe that his numbers were um, uh, a five percent or more difference in the size was significant, and going from five sixteenths to eleven thirty seconds is like nine percent. Um. So I mean, it, it's not an insignificant change. Yeah, yeah. So you need to pay attention to your broadheads at that point. And it's, you know, just one extra thing to pay attention to. Because, like, my 170s, they are not small. Yeah, they're they're big arrows. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, I primarily run the forged heads, which are designed to be larger than the 170s. Yeah. And there's a couple of other heads that are very close and what I've done is I have slightly tapered my outserts to reduce the level level of friction there when I'm using yep. a lighter head. Yep, a little bit of sanding will go a long way with that for sure. So, I think so the, the key word there well, is significance right so if i'm challenging yeah. anything it will be the significance of the of the factors that we listed out and, and i don't as i stand here now with the information i have I don't, I don't think i would present a theory i don't think i would submit a theory that i would say that ashby's factors are wrong for sure i think how we perceive the significance needs yeah. to be challenged yeah. and, and not just challenged i think we need to be reminded so there's a difference between practical significance and statistical significance. So the one thing I don't oh, yeah, yeah. really embrace is, you know, at the bottom where you're saying, hey, this, if you take all these into account, it's a 200% improvement in penetration. Stacking up percentages like that is, is a little tricky. And uh, it especially, is. In, especially in a world where you have rolling animals and, and all of the things that go along with it. So yeah. I really just want to kind of help people put things into perspective a little bit. And, yeah, um, <clears throat> and hopefully shed some light on this where it'll be a, a good solid parallel path. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's honestly, I think that that is awesome. I mean, it's I have so many discussions regarding the like the 12 penetration factors and and, you know, nitpicking certain things that at least in my opinion are less relevant than people try to make them or or when like, we don't i don't think the ashby community because i'm i'm just entering this space right I, I i think i would say i'm an i'm i'm a member of that community but i'm just entering the space and hearing the average opinion yeah. of that that subgroup and one thing i don't think we do well to the general archery public is articulate the trade-offs oh and i've criticized exactly. the archery the ashby community of this before and this isn't ashby i'm saying the community that that reads his report and parrots the, the results over and over and over you know there's a trade-off well, if you're going to run feathers it, to increase your foc then you're going to make more noise it's so and, loud yeah. <laughs> and it's extremely loud it's it's a difference between yeah so if you're gonna if you're going to run a heavier arrow you're going to have to be really good at judging yardage or make sure you, you know, you, you take care of that. And there are trade-offs because there, there is a trajectory. I don't know why there, there's almost an average opinion right now that there's not a trajectory trade-off. There's a damn big trajectory trade-off. Uh, if there wasn't, yeah, depending on the setup. Yeah. They're silly. Yeah. So I, I just want to make sure that everybody understands those trade-offs and you almost, you get back to, the I call it the nine millimeter versus forty five debate. That's endless. I bet we could go to Glock Talk yeah. right now and find it. Yeah. And, <laughs> Don't get me started. And and the reality is that can't, debate can't be won because the difference is to it's like it's like climate. If we had a time series control chart over thousands of years where I could show you process capability of the Earth's climate, I would be able to tell you if we had something significant changing. But I can't. The nine millimeter forty-five. If there was a statistical difference, enough people have been shot with each and recorded, we would be able to show that. But what trumps that as a factor and makes those insignificant is shot placement, right? If yep. you get sh- and, and don't get me wrong, if you hold everything else constant, give me a forty-five. But if shot placement is really, really critical, and they've proven that it is—not just shot placement, but getting the first three shots off—then hey maybe the nine millimeters a compromise that direction. So I, I use that debate yeah. and you bring it into this debate where people are arguing the difference between a 400 grain arrow and the lethality of a 600 grain arrow. Well, Jesus, if you can't shoot a 250, don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. Work, work well, on and, that first. And that's one where, I mean, people hone in on, at least in my experience, people hone in on the factor that has most impacted them. So if I've got a customer that reaches out to me that has had repeated issues encountering bone, they are significantly more likely to be hardcore 650 plus than someone that's just had penetration issues and are going, you know what? Like a mid 500 with good FOC is perfect. And it and it's all experience. It, it's oh, all yeah. their yeah. own little, little world stories, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's what lens they're looking through. 
course. And that plays into how they talk and how they, you know, project to the rest of the industry. And it's, you know, if you make a perfect shot, none of this is really all that relevant. I could take a pencil and if I put it in the right spot, it's lethal. Yeah. It's actually, but, yeah, that's amazing how little push force is required to go through animals. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Exactly. It's, it's, it's yeah. relatively easy. So, so it's like the, the, as you start taking into account, you know, that's, we always like, at least us on the podcast, we talk about plan B, you know, it's, it's not when things go perfect because that's, that's, you know, this like dream world where everything is perfect and you know wonderful if that happens to you good for you that's not the world that i live in so we look at plan b and plan b is trying to account for things that aren't planned and so that's where things get a little out of whack right because depending on a person's experience they might lean more heavily toward different factors for their plan B. And like myself personally, I I shoot high poundage. I have a longer draw length. Arrow weight is not a huge concern for me. So I have no issue going, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to shoot 650 plus for everything because I mean, even my 47 pound bow that I was talking about before my 700 and uh, 708 grain arrow that I'm shooting out of that 47 pound bow is going almost 160 feet per second for, for a traditional setup. I'm, I'm very comfortable at that speed for years. I was shooting 130 with that hill style bow so that right. that feels like light speed. Right. Like so it's it's very different depending on where a person's at and what they're used to and what their perception is. So in in my mind we we make sure that it's tough. We make make sure that, you know, in, in the vast majority of cases, it's going to survive. It's going to maintain its shape. It's not going to introduce any extra resistances. We make sure that it's flying as clean as possible. As the best that we can tune it, the best that we can do from a release standpoint, we maximize that. Yeah, and I, yeah, I completely then agree. And, and then you maximize the weight and, in my mind, the FOC within your own trajectory perceptions. Yeah. Well, speaking of clean flight, uh, uh, I know you, you, you touched on it briefly there, but you you were finding some, uh, and I'll, we'll kind of uh, circle back around on this and then kind of wrap things up. Um, you, when you were doing the high speed video, you found some things that were surprising you. Um, uh, what, what can you, what, what can you specifically say about that, that, uh, 
that you think might be might be intriguing for people to to stay tuned and and see where uh, uh, where everything ends up landing. Well, I mean, we we looked at so the the, the primary goal of the high speed footage is, was to capture angle of entry. If you remember in my study with the fletchings, that was the aha finding. Whenever I had the five inch fletch on there in a crosswind, my angle of entry was terrible. And a lot of right. things can cause bad angle of entry in a target, but not repeatable. Not, not like 10 arrow, not 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 is a flight problem. And I sure. was seeing that yeah. and, and I'm like, Oh my God, if that, if that's the case, cause that's counterintuitive, right? Everyone you shoots five inch feathers to get better flight. So that's what led to this, where we stand now, we expected to see the arrow traveling. And of course, with a recurve or a longbow, it's, you have your lateral movement of that, of those nodes uh, lined up, but the arrow flexing around those nodes. And right. Yep, right. We, yep. we expected to see differences in angle of entry based on that variation. Uh, yeah. What, what we saw was really, really tight lateral flexing and, and not mm-hmm. much variation at all. And, you, and really it was, uh, it was eye opening compared to what we had seen before on every other slow motion uh, capture. So, you know, doing a little bit of research, you see that adding FOC moves the node of the arrow up and I'm already catching a lot of flack over this one. I have people emailing me back and forth now because uh, <laughs> I talked about this in the previous podcast, but when you, when you find the node of your arrow, that's the point that doesn't move, right? The arrow right. flexes in front of that. And there's two nodes. There's not one. So the nodes can't be the center of mass. I guess they could be if you balanced it right. But a node, this is an acoustic node. So if you yeah. put weight... You, you have front, a, a node in front and behind the center of gravity where correct. The, the movement is not occurring. Yeah. So there's 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 four points of interest that I'm looking at in an arrow in this study. The center of pressure from an aerodynamic perspective. Yep. The center yep. of balance or center of mass. And then, of course, your nodes. And I don't want to confuse any one of those. They all interact, but what I what I learned... They're all different, though. Yeah, they are very different, is that when you put FOC up... Because I'm trying to understand why FOC improves flight, because I've heard so many terrible explanations of it. Uh, yes. I'm trying to clearly articulate this. And one tiny factor may be it's a theory is that when you put FOC up, that node definitely moves up. You can feel it with your fingers. And if you are shooting a longbow, this is my current standing theory or a bow that's not center shot. FOC will be much more critical for, for that very reason than a bow that's not, that is cut to center shot. Because if you have that flexy noodly arrow, bringing that node up reduces the lateral variation, the little randomizer you have there before it gets the target. Right, and uh, that yep. was the big aha. I'm like, oh my god, we're not seeing that in the in these. Well, moves. it it would reduce the movement of the centralized mass at the front, right? Mm-hmm. So the the center of like I'm learning now um, what the center of mass does, and you know wh- how FOC can play into it, and then I'm going to put it to test on these three different mediums. But in that video that was a showstopper because we, we expected to see tapered shafts. So what you see in that, that video, you see, I think there's a carp standard 204. I think there's a tapered and I think there's a, an aluminum and we expected to see some big differences and you don't see big differences. 
Uh, and yeah. we also expected to see differences in flight at 25 yards versus 10 yards because that's what everyone tells you. But the reality is those arrows are recovering lightning fast. Yeah. That, that might not be the case out of a longbow. We haven't done high-speed footage out of a longbow. Well, that was uh, what right. I thought of was like when I – because I listened to that and I was listening to you guys talk about it. And I wasn't – I guess I wasn't all that surprised that that's what you saw because you were controlling center shot so much. Yeah. So I, like it didn't surprise me because it the you know the arrow didn't have to wrap around to get clean to get that clean flight so it didn't have to paradox as much laterally. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, essentially that's looking at compound flight, right? Where if right. you have if you have no knock travel, if you have no need to flex around a, a physical riser, then perfect world is zero flex. Laterally. Right. So, so if, I mean, and I, I believe that you made this comment on the push podcast was that, you know, because of how you were setting up these bows, you were naturally running stiffer shafts. Right. And so it, it, it all kind of ties together in, at right. least in my mind is that of course the, the more center shot you are, the more in line that your string path is with that center shot, the less knock travel you have with, you know, limb to limb tillering, you know, uh, the limbs or the cams, whatever system you're using being matched, the more clean that flight will be regardless. Right. Right. So, so that that's that was the big. For, so I was surprised. I, just because every other high speed film I had seen has a snaky arrow, that's the first yeah, time I've ever yeah. seen this. And we have people selling multi spine arrows, and they advertise that it reduces this flex. Well, <laughs> congratulations on that marketing team. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. And so you know, and and the trade off on those arrows is they break more. So I would get it if they, if they if there wasn't a trade off and maybe they improved them, but again yeah. the, the trad the trad lab approach here is uh, trying to get to to reality on what is it worth because I have uh, I have I can't remember the finished price on those Eastons um, the T sixty fours what's the price on those expensive a lot. Yeah. So it's like, like three I, something my dozen. left my left it, testicle is about what it costs. It, it, so I, I, I want to say it's mix. around three hundred a dozen. Yeah, I have those in the mix, and I want to. I, I'm turning around and looking at what I have back here, and and I and I, I want to be able to say without a sponsorship hanging over my head if they're worth it or not. And they might. Be, I don't <laughs> know. I like them. They're really awesome looking. Like I'm not gonna lie, but um, I I think that's Still gonna, an that's J. That's the yeah. primary point of the study for me is yeah. to uh, to try to get people to align around what's important. And you're always going to get people that are going to geek out on gear. And I think that's fun, too. I'm obviously into that. But yeah. I don't want people to quit archery or not come into archery without a good toolbox loaded up for what's important. Oh, what's yeah. Not important. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and I, I re- one thing w- one thing that. I would like to just kind of inject in is like perfect world is one thing. And that's, I, I respect that like you and the push guys, you know, are 
are adamant about your tuning, right? It's, I'm the same way. I, I believe that Matt and Garrett are the same way. But at the same time, I realize that a lot of people in the, in the industry are, you know, at least in the community are not at that level. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's where my question really kind of comes in is so, you know, when everything is perfect, does some of this stuff make a difference? Probably not. Right. If, if you don't have knock travel, if your center shot, then the less flex you have, the better. And it probably doesn't matter what type of shaft you have or what kind of setup it is as far as flight. But if you're the average Joe that had Bass Pro set up your bow and you're trying, you know, you're you're in the process of learning how to get better. Hey, don't talk about don't talk bad about Missouri's finest Johnny Morris. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess my point is like if you, if you're that guy that you know, it just hunts. You don't get into all these numbers and all this crazy stuff. Like, is there a, a benefit or is there a difference if things aren't perfect and you I, go from like a parallel to a tapered or low <laughs> FOC to right. high FOC? That's, that's right? certainly what I hope to, as I move that either by introducing you know, some of my longbows or if I just want to simulate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope exactly. to show, and that's where it would be different. What I'm planning on, it will be different from Ashby's reports that you may be able to see. I don't think the factors are going to change, but the significance of those factors will change. Agreed. And whenever you move that scale and, and Ashby even says that in the revised uh, portion. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's really it. But if you're that person, what I would encourage you to do is because you're basically saying someone that can't shoot well enough to hold a tune. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it will just, it's not, it's really not hard uh, to learn how to shoot and hold a tune. Yep. It, it's, it's been exactly. made to, to look hard, but Agreed. I can, I can ensure Agreed. you if you, if you get with the right person and they, they teach you and you change your definition of trad, um, I don't know that I could bear shaft tune or, or even compound. <clears throat> right. Then, then learn to, you learn know, to shoot first. It's and then, across the board. It. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that kind of, that, that leads to, into, go ahead, Garrett. We just, I mean, we have to deal with not, not significance in the same way, but you know, we have a lot of people that reach out to us about arrow builds and that kind of thing. And we even have to like explain to them what, like, you know, cause they'll reach out with a certain thing in mind of, Oh, I need to do this, this, and this. It's like, well, how experienced are you? Do you know how to build your own setups? Like how is your bow tuned? Yeah. Is your bow tuned? Like, are you even able, are you able to implement these things that we talk about? Or like, do you need a lot of help to do it? Because if you need a lot of help or you're brand new, like there are like, you need to focus on other things first. Like, yes, we can help you get into a decent setup, but you also need to work on the fundamentals. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's a tougher conversation for their internet archers. It's yeah, a but huge I mean, thing that that I deal with almost daily is I I'll have guys 
that'll go, hey, I heard that if I, you know, if I increase my FOC, I'll have better penetration. And I'll go, yeah, I mean, from a high level, that that that's that's probably accurate. But what what's the problem that you're having? And, you know, you'll get all of, of just a whole different picture of, you know, my broadheads don't hit where they're supposed to or w- right, whatever right. the case is. Right. And there's there's a whole lot of different root causes yeah. for those issues. And a majority of them would tie into tuning. Right. right. Yeah. And and so it's like I could sell you, in my opinion, the best arrow setup ever for Whitetail, right? And it could fail miserably because right. your bow is completely out of tune. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what I'm really excited for Cody to to kind of dig into. Probably what I'm most excited about out of all this stuff that's coming out, and that kind of well, that that's going to lead into another episode that we're going to record uh, at another time. Is Cody has a uh, a quote unquote? I think you call it a blue collar uh, um, trad build um, that yeah. I'm I'm really I'm really excited about, and yeah, I have some yeah, hunches yeah. on how it's going to go. Uh, but but I think like when we were talking about the cost of the T64s, like I think that's a really big thing. It's like okay, like if you're getting into trad, like what, what, I and mean, you have $500 total, what makes the most sense? Spending $300 on T64s is not, doesn't make any sense. You need to no. spend 400 of that on a proper riser. And I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say a plunger and rest setup and, and, a, and, and some, you know, some decent limbs okay. and then spend, you know, 50 bucks on a dozen XX 75s and and build those properly and you're going to be in a way better place than what yeah. when, than what you would be buying a sorry rob but like you know a, a piece of junk self bow not not saying yours yeah. was but but making it no, you know hey, really difficult I, I for somebody to get the right it. right but making it really difficult for somebody to one get the right kind of tune and two to to learn to shoot that damn thing properly uh yeah. it's it's really really difficult so there's there's a path of least resistance i think for for trad and i think Completely. i think I think Cody and 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 the push are about to kind of blow the roof off the place with that. So I'm well, what if if you I, can if you can kind of tease that Cody. What what do you what do you think is going to be a part of that uh, that blue collar build? Is it going to be an ILF rig? Tell me it's going to be an ILF rig. Yeah, please. yeah. No, it's the, we've got we've we've got the blue collar build here, and it is an ILF rig. And good, <clears> good. You just can't you can't beat that in terms of value. Yeah. And, and, I must say this. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> in terms of my text or whether people ask me questions on Facebook, I say it all the time. You cannot buy lethality. You can't buy it. Yep. Uh, you, it's you can imp- you can improve your performance. You can lethality. tune it. <laughs> you can get better broadhead steel. There's no doubt about it. But you, what drives lethality in my mind, especially now that I'm hunting a lot more. I, I, people don't realize this. I hunt with a 15 year old riser. I hunt with a yeah. 15 year old yeah. riser because I have confidence in that riser. When it, when it's yep. time that I've got to make a high pressure shot, I'm grabbing an old Nat Gear DOS 21. That yep. doesn't have, it's an old one that doesn't have limb butt clearance. I have to like modify limbs to fit <laughs> on it. 
the new <laughs> ones the new ones aren't like that, but I'm shooting an older one because I have confidence in that in that bow. You right. get confidence in that bow by putting shots on animals and you can't buy yep. that. You can't so much of archery is that way anyway. Oh, you know? right, it is right. huge. That's I, I've I've talked to guys about this I don't know how much. Like archery is mental. And like I don't know how many guys I've had that reach out to me and say after after bone impact failures, they switch to a, a setup that should be better if they encounter bone, right? Now they have the confidence that if they hit bone, they should still be lethal, right? right. They should be able to breach. But now they're not worried about it. Right. Now they're not thinking about it while they're aiming and they're actually aiming. And now they don't hit bone. Right. It's it's, it, it, it's it is a weird so ironic mental. Yeah. It's like, an ironic space that we're in because our emotional tie is we want to be lethal. So lethality is something that can be marketed to very easy, but it's something that absolutely yeah. cannot be purchased. It, 100%. And that's, that's, that's the teaser. And that I think when we come, I don't, and I don't, have the results, but, uh, and I'll be, sh- you know, I, but I, that's what I think we're going to see is when, whenever you can tune and that comes from you, not the bow. Yep. Exactly. And whenever, whenever you can hold your mud and when you can shoot, that all comes from you, not the bow, not the equipment that we obsess about, not the $100 broadheads. It, it comes from the hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands and ten thousands for some people of hours of shooting. Those three things are what, and confidence are what, what add up to lethality. So Ex- yeah. exactly. I think, I think that's, if there's a teaser or a purpose to all this, it's that because it frustrates the hell yeah. out of me to hear yeah. the marketing pour over new people and they think they've got to have something to, yep. to be lethal. Yeah. Um, I shoot iron really? wheels. Because I know they're better in, in terms of edge retention, but give me a Zwicky, I'll spend some time sharpening. I'll go ki- show me what to kill. And um, yeah, exactly. It's um, that's something that frustrates me because as people come into our sport, they get the gear queers that spend more time obsessing over what they can't build on their own. And right. the, the most important trait you can have in our world, whether it be compound or recurve, is what you bring to the table. In terms of exactly and yeah. and that's such a huge point because i mean anyone that's talked to me understands this but like our goal my goal is for people to be successful i could give two shits if you're using stuff that i sell or if you're buying something from someone else if if you are trying to figure out a better setup, ask the questions, understand why you're you're doing what you're doing. And regardless 
and be honest with yourself. The, That's the hard part. <laughs> exactly. That's very hard. It's, 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 really, it's even it's, hard for me because now like I'm documenting my kills. You wouldn't believe how, <laughs> how good I am at lying to myself. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, it yeah. is unbelievable. Like sitting down at the end of a day and like, all right, I'm going to write in this journal exactly what happened. And then Tim King shows up with pictures on his camera and says, what you wrote in your fancy little journal doesn't match this gut <laughs> shot that I've got on the film. <laughs> and, and, and it's unbelievable how I lie to myself. And yeah. I would pass a polygraph. I mean, I'm good at it. Yeah. But, um, that's that's it. But it's, 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 it's that self-reflection. Like, I, I don't care what the gear is, right? It's, for me, it's, there, there there's a million ways to to have success. And the biggest factor in my mind is the confidence. Like you need to make sure that it's tough. You you need to make sure that it's flying good. You need to have adequate mass. You know, there are those core factors, right? Right. But you need to have confidence in your build. And at least for me, confidence comes with understanding. So if if I understand why I'm using a slightly heavier broadhead, if I understand why I'm using a tougher component, if I understand why I'm stressing over flight, all of that, by the time I get to my hunt, when I've taken all these hours of tweaking and tuning and stressing over flight and getting things perfect by the time i get to my actual hunt i know that setup inside and out right i and am confident that to, to whatever that, that range further, is yeah yeah go you can go you can and i'm going to talk a little bit out of line, but I, I estimate based on numbers that you guys have given me and a Texas lethality study and some, some other data that there's only a approximately around a 10% gap in lethality between compounds and, and recurves. When you look at aggregate data and okay. um, when you think about that and, and I've shot compound for you, I love, I have a new compound coming that I'm excited about. I, I compounds are, Night and day, that, yeah, the number should be yeah. so much higher, right? And, and, but that just <laughs> that just proves the point. And I mean, how many of us drew our compound back and forgot to look through the peep site and shoot an arrow into God's country and never see the deer again? Right? You, it <laughs> yeah. happens, right? So uh, it just proves that point. So when I, it's it's the opposite of what people expect to find when they peel me back and say, "All right, what's Trad Lab about?" It's it's really about you making the best possible choice for your money. And not getting sucked into marketing hype, and and learning that it's really about uh, about you and not not the yeah. equipment. So it it really is. Yeah. So if I, if I came out of this study in two or three weeks, and, and I showed that there was no statistical difference between uh, a twenty dollars shaft and a seven dollars shaft, I won't I won't be surprised based on some of the high speed we have now and the data that we have. Can you can you do things to improve your your gear certainly should you absolutely but 
man, those people prove yourself are, too. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Those people. We also are, we all also know plenty of guys that you know take their bow out two weeks before the season and they go out and kill six animals in a year and then they put it back in the case. Mm-hmm. So there's those guys that shoot all this in the foot, but at the same time, it's, they're doing it's something a right. Mental difference. Yeah, right. they're doing something so, right, either mentally or otherwise. So that's that's going to be the big challenge, right? Uh, and we'll see we'll see where we shake out. But it, I remember when I got I, I got into mountain biking about six or seven years ago, and I bought this top of line <laughs> bike, and I was standing <laughs> in the bike I store, ride it. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm going to get this carbon fiber seat. And the guy came up to me who owns the <laughs> store. He's like, or you could just fucking lose 35 pounds, you know? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I, it's, 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 it's that blunt talk hurt, but he's, yeah. he's right. Yeah. So no, uh, it's, it's the same thing well, here. People I, don't like to hear that stuff, but you right. have to tell I, them. I don't want someone that works hard for their money to think they have to spend a thousand dollars on Uka limbs. Uh, yeah. And I shoot them because they're 15 feet per second faster. Right. But you don't have to shoot those. So that the blue collar build will be all yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. that, that we probably went I'm down stoked. a really weird rabbit hole there, but no, I'm, yeah. I, that's good. I'm yeah. I'm stoked for I'm stoked for that episode. It's gonna be great. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm really excited. So, Cody, where uh, or what? Uh, uh, before we before we conclude the whole thing, what um what studies do you are you conducting next? Like, what is coming out just so people know what to be looking for? So we're going to be comparing. Um, Different arrows, obviously, from tapered to 204 to micro. Uh, right. Different materials in terms of, you know, you have the FMJs, which are um, carbon and and, and aluminum. Aluminum and then, hybrid, yeah. um, We'll be comparing all of those with all the factors that they bring across different levels of tune. So I'm, 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 taking, tune, I'm taking an arrow out of tune and I'm recording mm-hmm. uh, all of my metrics across the full spectrum. And then you'll see me really wet sand arrows and get them perfectly tuned and show what they can do. And then you're going to see me take that exact design and, and perform a block and run it again with a broadhead versus a field point, which drastically kicks up your mechanical advantage and you start seeing uh, bigger signals. And it also Mm -hmm. makes flight a little bit more critical. So um, I'm, I'm not going to get into a broadhead war on this study. And, And I know people are emotionally charged to broadheads for some reason, um, it's very odd. I'm, I'm even considering just doing one broadhead to prevent it from becoming a broadhead war. I have some broadhead testing equipment now where I'm going to perform that on not just traditional heads, but we're going to do it with compound heads as well. Uh, but on this study, you'll see multiple arrows in different states of tune uh, shot on three different mediums, uh, zero to 40 yards. And um, we'll see if uh, we'll see where the signals fall. I really have no, uh, no idea where, where we're going to land right now, but um, I know there's going to be, there's going to be some information that doesn't fall in line with the average opinion. I'll Interesting. be, I'll be interested to see. I mean, like, you know, tolerances really start to come into play with the, I mean, supposedly they come into play with, you know, broadhead and that's where you start to see arrow flight. Or, well, isn't, isn't that one? Allegedly, that's where you start Allegedly, that's where you start to see. 001s to 006. Right. Oh, that's where yeah, you start to see flight right. differences, supposedly. But supposedly. You know, there's also, and, there's also guys yeah. that say, well, the average person is not going to be able to tell. And yeah, I, and you honestly, know, people ask me that all the time and I, and I, yeah. I'm a hypocrite because I shoot, <laughs> I shoot 
0.001, but I do it for a con. I know I can't quantify the difference in my own shooting. Yeah. But it's one less thing in my dumb head when I'm looking down at that buck. Cause I always have a last thought at anchor. And if it's a bad <laughs> thought, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, my God, the yeah. shot I made this morning before I left was a lousy shot. I might as well stay home and sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see yep. what I mean? So I, it's just one less thing in my head, but I, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll show the value of that as well. And um, I'm, I'm a hypocrite in that regard too, because I shoot very nice stuff, but it's, you know, it all comes back to that confidence thing. And honestly yeah. ease of build when i'm building my arrows i don't usually have a lot of time to spend on my own stuff because i'm usually helping other people right. so the faster well, i can get all my stuff put together and tuned the e- like the more confident i'm going to be and the less i have to worry about it so yeah well that's like i i just redid all my compound arrows right so i stripped them all down i knock tuned them i refletched them now these were well, half of them were one thousandths rated, uh, and that's TIR Black Eagles. Uh, the other half are Grizzly Stick, uh, which is uh, what uh, three thousandths uh, variants. Nah, Grizzly Stick is six. That's uh, oh six TIR. Mm, I thought it's plus minus six. It's on Is the it? victory website anyway. Yep. Oh, it's changed a handful of times depending. It's initially victory had it as a three, then they have it as six. It's changed. Um, but regardless, I I knock tuned all of those right, and and this is this directly ties into what I was gonna say initially. Um, the tighter the tolerance, the less variance you're going to see overall, right? So if, if I've got a, a 1000 TIR shaft, I don't expect to see a difference noctuning, right? I'm expecting whatever position that knocks in, that it's going to shoot the same. Because it's consistent. The less consistent the shaft is, so as your straightness varies, your wall thickness varies, your spine varies, and then that's where you knock tune. So, like my 150 Black Eagles, I didn't move my knock. Right? I I shot them all. Right. They all shot straight, and I didn't move a single knock. My my grizzly sticks, which are the 170s, I moved probably half the knocks. Hmm. And so that's probably, well, I have, what, 20 shafts, so 10 and 10. Um, and so I have, I have both these shafts built to the same total weight they're nearly the same od within like one and a half thousands so i i treat them all the same i just use the the black eagles for my league and stuff like that where i'm more likely to lose a shaft to another shaft um 
but that's where you know some of this stuff comes into play right that's i i like both of the, those shafts for hunting that's i honestly it's a flip of a coin as to which one i use for most of my hunting at at this point right but there is a difference when knock tuning right and so that's where like black eagle and not because i deal with them but they're one of the few companies that deal you know when they state their specs are talking in total runout yeah so when you know like the factory flat fletch shafts that i deal with that are three thousands are a three thousands tir yeah it's a point oh one five that that exactly zero 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 one five yeah so that shaft which is very affordable is nearly the same quality as most other companies one thousand shafts yeah well as far as straightness as far as straightness but straightness at least in my experience and you guys can can speak to this if 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 you want to, at least in my experience, straightness directly speaks to the rest of the consistency of the shaft. Yeah. Cause if Cody, are you, are you going to be recording, uh, tested spine and, and straightness and run out on, yeah. on all your, uh, on all your stuff? Yeah. That was part of the three day setup. Cause everyone's yeah. asking me what took so long. Well, I had to, I had to, spine index everything i had to see how different arrow and just because something's the exact same spine doesn't for some reason i don't understand the physics but it doesn't call for the same tune so working all of that out yep. contr- yep. controlling all of those variables just like knock fit yeah. you wouldn't think knock fit yeah. throws the world on fire at 40 yards so i had yeah. to, you know <clears throat> i had to control i have to control all of those things and um yeah. i need to make do it, a better job of carbon of, yeah i don't know i have to do a better job of articulating what I do control when we do release this so people can see, all right, here's how, you know, you well, structure there's it. a lot exactly of factors. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's big. It's, it's literally, and I know we're going long, but it's, it can't be underestimated because I don't have any college accredited hours in aerodynamics. So I, I, I'm at, I'm internet educated on that. It's literally the aerodynamics of an arrow is one of the most complicated things I've ever tried to study in my career. <laughs> yeah, and, it is. And, it, and it really and is. There is some crossover between rocket aerodynamics and drag and center of pressure. Yeah. So I've studied yep. all of that. And then you literally move into arrows and go, well, rockets don't freaking bend and change. <laughs> yes. center and pr- and no. center rockets have have constant pressure where right. arrows don't. So it's, right? it's, it, it's, it's, it's similar, but it's right. very different. <laughs> so my only hope is to be able to show what happens. And I'm just going to have to tap out when I say, I don't know why it happens because there are <laughs> yeah. some, yeah, there are some things that occur with an arrow that don't, um, that don't really make sense. And uh, there's a reason why people, have yet to come up with a calculator to, to predict, you know, dynamic spine. Yeah. It's it's very, 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 very complicated. And uh, there's at some point where I just have to say, all right, I, I, I'll I'll get the fundamentals and then I I got to tap out. 
Don't like, don't this, worry. This it's happens, a, you, but I don't know why. Yeah, you you may not have the accredited college hours, but somebody that graduated from Facebook University certainly does. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're uh, going to tell you. Yeah. That they'll, you're they'll, totally wrong. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll tell you what's going on. So. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> cool. That's, well, that's what I deal with. Like, it's, it, <laughs> and I it's it and bless their hearts. If they mean well, I, I I spend a lot of time. But if it's people that are trying to be an intellectual bully, I'm like, oh man, you know. If your if your goal in life is to tell me that you're and prove to me that you're smarter than me, you need to raise your. I'm not that smart. You need to raise your aspirations. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a long line that you're in there. But so one one thing that I did want to ask you, Cody, before we wrap this up, is you've looked at a lot of little factors and and I know that you started from the tail end of the shaft. Have you looked at Knox? Well, that's, it's I know so the funny. Answer. <laughs> gonna, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Uh, part of the three days that I lie about, about setting up for this study, I, I, cause I got a new instrument. I have a push pull force gauge, right? That can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, naturally I started pulling Knox off strings and, Yep. measuring the the force required and then naturally when i saw there's a lot of variation i'm like well i wonder what that does so yeah i've i've i there will be a podcast on Knox because now i i'm seeing some perfect really big signals because <laughs> that's yeah. over the years i've seen some definite differences between different knock styles and especially uh standard versus like lighted knocks so not it, fit be, on lighted knocks is both terrible and inconsistent yes. and I hate it. Yeah. I'm yeah. running oh, the IP uh, completely for this, agreed. But um yeah, I, I used to shoot a lot of G knocks and on this one I, I'm running the IP knocks and um mm-hmm. I'm gonna run a and then of course through my study in aerodynamics, there's a paper that attributes ten percent of the drag to the knock. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. which is counterintuitive, <laughs> but when you think about how disruptive the air is around the arrow, it does yeah. make sense. So, like now, I want to do a study on velocity decay and short knocks versus longer. Like maybe gold tips <laughs> got it right. So, yeah, um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Tiny I'm, ass little knocks. Yeah, yeah. So I went down this weird rabbit hole for about six hours Sunday, and <laughs> I blamed it on setup time. But yeah, I got a knock thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Nice. I new, like it. Well, I like yeah, it. You get a new instrument at and least, you start playing with things. At oh, least that's how it a, happens. At least there's no shortage of other things that you can test. Yeah, no, no it's, it's it's really endless. <laughs> it really is. Trad yeah. Lab's got some job security yeah. there, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> and, and I'm, yeah, I'm getting ready to start well, into uh, the c- compound world, which will open up a whole nother oh, <laughs> yeah, s- space of study. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to see what happens with the knocks. You're either going to be like single-handedly sued by every string maker, or you're going to be single-handedly praised by every string maker because everyone's probably going to have to have a new string made to the exact diameter uh, to match the best, uh, the best and most consistent knock uh, that you're you find. So I'm 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 really curious to. uh, I thought Matt said you had the back (laughs) of the arrow figured out, but. Gotta, gotta gotta look at that knock now. So I, I, yeah, that's I always, cool. Uh, yeah, I always held that constant, but when I started playing with it, because I pulled all these knocks off these arrows, 
And, yeah. Uh, well, and then you got a push force gauge sitting right next to this pile of knocks. And, uh, <laughs> next thing you know, like, you've hmm. got to study. And you're like, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it, and, that'll be and, interesting. There's, yeah. I'm if pumped you could, for that. Uh, test test cool. the micro diameter fire knocks. That would be great. Yeah, just for, you need you need to get some fire. Definitely knocks not there. selfish motivation on that one, but uh. yeah, the fire knocks the I think is what Bill was shooting in Texas on those. That's the the lighted knocks, right? Yeah, uh, I just they used, are one of them. I, I use the, the non lighted version of them, but they have like for the guy that builds my strings, they have the best knock fit that I've found yeah. for how he builds them without me having to make him change anything. So yeah, what's the fire knock is. Dorge is yeah, um, a mad scientist, and yeah. he is he is crazy as can be, but he's a great guy. I, yeah. I, I have I have chatted with him a couple of different times, and every time I feel stupid, small, yeah, <laughs> like, like I'm so but dumb. <laughs> at the same time, like he's. He's stuck on a couple of things that I I don't quite agree on, but yeah, that was my my introduction to Dorge was at ATA, and he was giving a seminar on knock fit, oh, and yeah. he was showing slow motion video of how many times a knock touches the string before it launches depending on the, the, the type of knock. No names, but holy crap, did he start a fight. <laughs> he, he had people from, like, every company that wasn't fire knock up in arms screaming at him in this seminar for ATA <laughs> with dealers in it because it was false. And he's like, well, bring me some knocks i'll video them and i'll i'll show them like this is what i got yeah <laughs> right that's funny no it's it's that's definitely that gonna great. be in the works just out of my own curiosity but it'll yeah it's it's endless for sure it is endless it certainly yeah, is endless. it is it is well, and, Cody, and we we're... appreciate everything that you're doing yeah no kidding so. yeah <laughs> me, me. this is why i've been putting off my recurve build so long is so i can just cut down excuses, the excuses excuses yeah yeah that's it i'm sure <laughs> well cody where can uh where can people find uh find your your content and uh um and everything that you're putting out um so my instagram is the trad lab one word and then okay. most of the stuff that i'll put out um i'll put out on the push archery uh, Facebook group. I, I usually mm -hmm. post a lot there. I do have a website, which is, you know, the treadlab.com, but I, I need to do a better job of, of updating that. And I'll, I'll certainly put these test results out there and update some other test results and load. Them I know an there. IT guy, if you need a little help updating that, just, <laughs> yeah, I actually, my, that's the problem is I, I purchased that Wix site and that's a kind of a disaster in and of itself, but, um, I've got to figure that out. But, um, the push will be releasing this and we're I'm filming this. This is the first time we've, we've, we've got this ready for YouTube. So I'm actually like filming B roll. Every time I come in from us, from shooting and analyze the results, I kind of film some B roll and walk people through this iterative path that I'm on. So you'll see that on the push archery YouTube channel eventually. 
cool and, uh, cool we'll just keep perfect uh, keep hammering away and hopefully people right, will, campaigns uh, people will be uh, <laughs> yeah they're right people, hopefully people will accept it fairly well because it's uh it's gotten a lot easier since the last uh believe it or not the Aaron snyder podcast on stickbow i've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that but prior to that it was pretty great it's pretty rough so we'll see yeah people don't like to hear what they don't think is true that's right. And then, you know, you always it's true. people are like, it's simple. It doesn't matter. I'm like, well, if it didn't matter, a lethality would be better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And ain't that the truth? Well, cool. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cut you loose. <laughs> this is going to be a little longer than I thought. A little over yeah. two, two hours now. But uh, well, what um, did you expect when we were talking to Cody? I, man, well, it, it, it could be a lot worse for sure. <laughs> I, was, but, I, uh, I expected more tech. I really thought we were going to, that's why I went and got the coffee. I'm like, we're going to go, I thought we were going to get into like vortex shedding oh. and I thought we were going to go deep. I, oh, I, I kind of wanted to, but I, but I, I held off. <laughs> we can do that once there's yeah. more numbers to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever, whatever you, whenever and whatever you want to talk about, we're, we're, we're your game. We're, we're right here. Uh, more than happy to do it, but Cody, appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for uh, hopping on. Like I said, I know we've been trying to, get this done for a while and uh, I'm excited for uh, some future episodes coming. I know we've got a couple things, uh, a couple other things we want to talk about. So I'm pumped to get that out to the public too. So uh, just really appreciate appreciate your time and sitting down with us. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, everyone uh, still listening, appreciate uh, you hanging out this long and until next time, remember stay lethal and disrupt the status quo.